Passion My next guest is a producer and artist from the Pacific Northwest. He's produced for many of my previous podcast guests and tons more around the PNW. He also brought a plus one to the podcast, who's an artist as well as a videographer. It's my pleasure to introduce the digital and Gertie. Get it. Tell me a little more your sense of direction. I've been called out for getting aggressive and still think that I'm right and that's a confession. How you pass the test and I learned the lesson. Passion and the pressure got you in the head spin. Take you in control then explain the death grip that got you on hold. Focus on the metrics. Tell me a little more about ego and destiny. Passion really can be the coldest weapon. Especially if it has no direction. Make you start to question who you really friends with. Like, whoa. It's the part of you that overthinks and suffers. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today I'm with the three, two very special. I almost said three. I guess I could be a special guest, right? Yeah. <laughs> you count as one of the special guests. Two very special guests the digital and Gertie. Yeah. Hey, Gertie. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time meeting the digital in person. You have style, man. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, post-pandemic, I've kind of been working on the thread game a little bit. Oh, shit. You know. <laughs> Are you preparing to do any shows? Yeah, I've actually started doing shows. Okay. Um, I've been working with Marshall okay. uh, for a while, and I was around for the first set of Fremont Fridays. Oh. He's having me do sets started really launching my live experience through that that's dope i uh tried to go to some of these events but all the <clears> events <throat> that are opening up right now are 21 up and i'm still 20 <laughs> so i've been i got kicked out of the king youngblood concert tw- twice <laughs> the barboza one yeah twice somehow. you got into barboza and then they kicked you out yeah oh, wow you're sly that's a tough one you have to go like way down into there yeah they catch just... you backstage or what so first I went through the main entrance and got uh-huh. kicked out. And then then Cameron was like, hey, Blake, come here. So we went through a side door. And then the security guard who kicked me out the first time was like, hey, get the fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> you have to get a disguise, a trench coat and a friend. What about little Mosey? I feel like he can go anywhere, right? No. So so do you know about that, about underage uh, and, and being in venues? Um, they, they have these special performer passes so okay. like he can't go to other people's shows um unless he can get in backstage and he gets a special pass but like he can be there for like a certain thing and then immediately has to leave afterwards Damn. but i'm also guessing that he probably like shakes the hand of the security guard with a hundred in it or something just to like finesse his way which security guard oh fuck if i remember who it was huh i wonder if it's the same ones oh man there's one who i'm I'm pretty sure they wouldn't kick people out like that, but <laughs> they could be on some stricter 
standards because of things right reopening now. and all that stuff. I get it. Yeah. Do artists like local artists play big venues like WAMU or Showbox, or is that still not really a thing that artists do? Showbox, yes. Which Showbox? Either mm-hmm. one. Um. Uh, well, it it really really depends. So like Saul just announced that he has a Showbox show coming up in a couple months, right? Well, isn't he like? Didn't he kind of make it out of the scene in a way? <laughs> sort of, but but he's still a, he's a he's a Seattle artist though. And then mm-hmm. sometimes there will be artists from Seattle that can catch some opening uh, gigs for him. But it's a uh, it's you know Showbox Soto holds you know like fourteen fifteen hundred people, and that's yeah. a that's a tough sell. Uh, and Wamu holds like three thousand people. Oh so, shit! Yeah. True. Yeah. Saul is a one of the few locals that I could pack that thing i mean remember the show we did in 2019 incredible yeah. great times that was my first time playing showbox that's so cool man i'm just kind of always taken aback like how connected you are as like a producer like even oh, back to like the so much. even back to that when we when did we do that little out song breakdown that was a while ago now. wow when was that whenever clean came when did clean you know when clean came that's out? right it was for clean that was in March. Oh my gosh! It feels like forever ago. That's wild. Wow, that was a Zoom interview. Yes, uh, it's now we're live in person. That's what's so cool. I'm starting to like see my guests that I did virtually, like in person now. That's right. Yeah. So uh, I've had the fortune of you know being able to open these studio spaces that I make super accessible and I focus on curating the... Wait, so you have your own studios or what do you mean? Yeah, I've kind of, um, throughout my 20s, acquired studio gear and more importantly, knowledge on how to record properly on the East Coast. And that brought me out back here when I was 26, 27. So you're not originally from here, right? I am originally from the PNW. Okay. So I grew up in Kent a oh. little bit. Went to Meridian Junior High. Yeah, Seuss Creek. What's good? <laughs> you know. Uh, but then I moved up north for high school, and uh, I went over to Boston for college. Oh. <clears throat> and I dropped out of school and kind of went to Colorado and went to California and then back to Boston and then back here so and were you making music this whole time yes what'd you go to school for so i went to berkeley college of music that's what anna thompson is going to right now you know anna thompson really okay it, i wonder if it's virtually probably uh, yeah she was doing it virtually over covid now she's like debating because you know nikki so i'm guessing you know anna yes of course okay so she's deciding right now if she wants to go in person this year hmm very interesting stuff if you're listening go in person yeah absolutely why'd you drop out well an interesting that happened um i played saxophone started playing saxophone and touching instruments like at seven eight you know and uh i had this musicality and i know how to play jazz i grew up playing jazz recognize and it like 15, 16, then I was like, this is my life. This is what I am here to do is music. And I was always into the exploration. I was trying to play saxophone with like rock bands and I was forming my own like fusion trios in high school and going and shaking down, you know, establishments and resorts and 
playing for old people and sh- <laughs> making dr- money to go spend on weed as a high schooler. I mean, of course, it's the thing you always want to do. <laughs> but uh, so I went into Berkeley off of my sax skills, but they gave us all computers when we went to school. And on this computer was Reason 3, which didn't even have recording input. It's just a MIDI instrument, basically. And I just kind of fell head in head over heels with production instantly on GarageBand. Mm. I still remember the first beat I made. And then uh, through a crazy course of events, within like the same week of me really like making my first beat, I got passed a mic at a party and rapped my first line. Still remember that too. And it's just off the top. People were like, how long have you been rapping for? This is my first time. Oh, shit. And that was when I was 18. And I really was not a good student on top of this. <laughs> I know this is hard to believe for everybody who knows me. But uh, so my grades weren't doing well. I was really into production and recognized how long it took me playing saxophone to um, get the technical basis to be great. So I dropped out of college. I got it. I had a mentor who was a very uh, well-known bassoonist. And he, he was like, if you feel like your heart is pulling you creatively, you need to go chase that. And ultimately, you're going to throw away hundreds of thousands of dollars if you're not for sure here for saxophone. I couldn't answer that question anymore, so I dropped out. Do you still play saxophone? Yes, I do. Do you rap? I don't think you rap, right? Oh, I rap. You ever heard him rap? Wait, so when you're featured on songs, so it's as a a producer with Mr. Hentai. I got a verse. Say, don't talk shit in my kitchen, my dude. Yeah. Wait, when it it says featuring the digital, that's usually you as a producer, though. No. Are you always rapping when it says featuring the digital? Usually. Usually, because I have a song with him that he just uh, he he has a MIDI keyboard solo, or you have a, no, it's synthesizer. a synthesizer. Yeah, it's a Moog synth solo, and he uh, and that one's just featuring. That's a digital. very rare instrumental feature. That's a very rare instrument. So I've feature. definitely heard you rap. Then I must have. It must be so good. I'm not even realizing it's you. Then it's <laughs> it's the weirdest compliment to hear from everyone who knows me. That is just so weird. <laughs> Thinking about me rapping. <laughs> uh, I love it. It's perfect. Because uh, that's what hip-hop is. It's supposed to defy your expectations. It yes. exists in all corners. You can't go anywhere without finding it. Yes. I mean, my, my favorite one that, that doesn't get talked about enough that I feel like should be is, you've listened to Fulminate, right? Yes, I love Fulminate. Yeah, his vocals are all over that. Like a right, ton right, of the right. hooks. Like his vocals are all over that project. People don't know it's him because no, nobody ever talks that about. I thought that, you produced the whole thing. Did he you did. Know? I did. Okay, so that makes sense. With then. the help of Vito yeah. Maserati and Shehan. There we go. So how do you? Before we get more into music, oh. how the fuck do you guys know each other? Oh, um, I was not expecting Gertie to show this up. This is the funniest. The, the, it's like this the funniest great. story. You're getting like the crash course. <laughs> it, it really is because we've been we've been really close for a long time. Yeah. Um, what almost almost three years ago? Um, yeah. Almost three years ago. Uh, I was working for Rainier Avenue Radio. Okay. Um, that's how you met Fairy Vaughn Mother, right? Yes. <laughs> that's Shout a, out that is Vaughn another Mother. that is another incredible story. That's as my well. pr- that's, um, I, but uh, 
so I'm in there and, and my boss there, Tony Benton, was telling me, hey, you know, there's this, we got this extra room here. We're going to have somebody move in and like have a recording studio in here because we had this big warehouse in Columbia City. And he's uh, like, he's going to come in in a little bit and they're going to check out the space and talk to us a little bit. And Jake walks in and he's with Shehan from the Sultans. Mind you, I'm a big Sultans fan. I had seen seven years before that, I had seen the Sultans with Nobi perform in a basement in U District. And I was blown away. I was a huge fan, a huge fan after that. So I saw Shehan and I was like, oh my God. We started talking a little bit and Jake moved in and I made some beats in his studio before we really knew each other because my boss told me I couldn't <laughs> without telling you. And, and then I just I started popping over to take pictures every once in a while and uh <laughs> we just started working on stuff mm. yeah he engineered my whole last album too wow is yeah. is rainier avenue still around right now yes it is it's based in the uh the central district now and uh we we still do stuff with them yeah. quite quite often but yeah they're they're in the central district now. tony benton is very dear to me wonderful yeah, wonderful human a... being i don't know why i still haven't met any of those people i should probably figure that out <laughs> I would love to introduce you to him. Thank yeah you. no he's a very open person too and the, the crazy thing about you though I feel like you're connected with all like every single artist in the out of music scene you somehow know one way or another I'm like yeah. what the hell like even artists who might have like beef with one another you've helped produce for one person or the other it's, yes absolutely that's wild the creative bond doesn't know that doesn't know conflict between two people. Switzerland, baby. It's like a. I came up from <laughs> kitchens, so like actual kitchens, like yeah, cooking. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was making seven or six figures on my way to the seven-figure life. Um, as, as a, a chef? chef, yeah. What the? My exec chef uh, went and opened seven resorts, and he was grooming me to be kind of filling those kind of shoes. Wow. Uh, uh, is either that or Michelin stars? Mm. I'd go to France or Chicago if that was my passion, but it wasn't. But one of the things that about kitchens is it taught me about life and leadership <clears throat> and the human experience. There's no place um, that I've experienced that has people of all walks of life competing on a level playing field. You got rich kids and nice kitchens competing for positions where they can put it on their resume and get the favor from the good chef. They're competing just as hard as a guy who can barely afford his shoes. And the talent and the meritocracy between them two um, will determine, the plate determines mm. who stays and also who comes back. Who uh, Who's going to take the frying pan getting thrown at him for it? Because I'll tell you what, there are people plenty talented to do it, but they won't take the frying pan for it, and they'll never know what it's like to work for Thomas Keller, Grant Aikens, or any of the bigs, because they don't really have it. So why'd you stop cooking? Couldn't you, couldn't you be like an action Bronson, where you're <clears throat> a I'm chef? not action Bronson. Well, not only that, but bro did not stop cooking what he said because i did the same thing i also came up in kitchens we stopped cooking professionally yeah. because that is a very destructive lifestyle and you don't have time for anything else you got time for uh smoking cigarettes and drinking liquor when you're chef that's all you have time for and some, sometimes some sleep but very rarely um wow. but but like 
he still he still cooks. It's <laughs> yeah. just it's a fun thing now. It's not not working in a in a professional kitchen anymore. I look I look at cooking communally, like uh, it, it's like catering. All, uh, sure. I mean, I <laughs> that's my area specialty and expertise. And oh. actually, it's funny. Um, I just got a private chef gig, so I'm like cooking for families and stuff, plant based oh, food and stuff. Yeah, I'm uh. My whole thing is <clears throat> my mom taught me how to cook, and it's all about the gathering. It, and it's kind of a labor of love for me. Wow. I like cooking for people I love. Um, that's how I gather people together. I always bribe them with food. People, you know, nothing speaks like food. Anyway, to come back to your other <laughs> point, uh, the kitchen taught me about meritocracy. And when you make it about merit, when you make it about the results, and holding that space that can um, groom and can facilitate growth becomes less and less about the interpersonal relationships in that room. Nobody lives in there, not even me, Mm. you know? And uh, so it's cool. And, you know, it's like one of those things where uh, weed that doesn't get sunlight goes away. You know, and so the more attention that you feed into those things, especially in the moment, like I could, I could totally indulge people and be like, you know, so and so or so and so, and this and that. You see this, and what good does it do me? It doesn't actually get me closer to a better record. Mm. So, how do you find artists you want to produce for? Some of them find me. It always starts with uh, <clears throat> kind of the pitch. You know, like, hey, come through to the studio. Let's listen to some sounds. Let's see how we connect. Some people come in with the notion already that they want me to mix, and I can mix for them or record them. Some people have me download beats. Some people have beats already. Um, There's an assortment of different services I do for people out of Front Burner Studios currently. So you can do everything. You can engineer. Yeah, but uh, mainly if I had to pick, it's songwriting production engineering and recording and like mixing and then mastering and all that but that's a very serviceable skill that I don't even try to do myself Mm -hmm. as much mainly because uh, there are people with 10 years of experience and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment that will charge me a hundred dollars to master I got you know platinum records and I can count so why would I bother you know so but otherwise my studio is like a Swiss army knife that basically can fill in the blanks for any artist and I've kind of used that to my advantage over the years and seen that kind of broad range of skill sets as a way of making myself useful you know service to other artists in the city would you think of making like your own like Seattle Sessions album or something sure have you thought about it? A little bit. Um, I think... I like... We kind of did something um, last year. James did a little bit with me um, and Devin Lee and Philip Peterson. It's called Back a House. Okay. And it was basically our concept, Philip, and my concept. I was working out of a studio up north called House of Breaking Glass. And we just wanted to 
bring in artists, instrumentalists, and people who we thought were underappreciated in the region and should be kind of talked about mm -hmm. to like people in my network or people in Phil's network. So, and what it yielded was a really cool dynamic kind of jamming style where I'm able to kind of flip and sample in the moment. And we got this crazy collaborative nature. And I've really been interested in kind of having one-offs and having these arranged kind of productions where it's like a little bit unplugged, a little bit rehearsed, and a little bit, let's see what's in the moment. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, you know, it's kind of more like I'm thinking of it from a content production, like a visual special, more than producing an album, mm. technically. I think uh, my goal of my overall body of work currently is to showcase the sound of the Pacific Northwest. So you're less about just putting out like a fucking product that's been tried and tested. It's more like being creative. It seems like your life's more about being creative than sticking to like a specific route. Yes, but maybe a little bit. It's sticking to a route hmm. or a route. It, it absolutely. There's a regiment to my approach. Um, <clears throat> from the perspective of I have um, kind of found a way to tap into the musicality of the Pacific Northwest in a new, unique way that showcases a bit of a pocket of sound that might be unexpected for the region. And what, how would you describe that sound? It's in the moment. It, it doesn't have a genre. A lot of people, and to me, it seems innovative for those reasons. And it's very much a extension of grunge and electronic, which are both sounds that Seattle is very well known for. Um, the latter being kind of more slept on out of the region, quite frankly. There's a lot of electronic production that comes out of this region that really sets the tone uh, nationally. And what artists, when you say electronic or grunge, what artists like stick out to you in PNW? I mean, we got e Enumclaw. Oh, is an obvious first, right? Did I Shout out Aramis. I want to meet him. I just I found play, that, I guy, with that guy. I just found them literally like yesterday and then you I say I know everybody. <laughs> that guy knows everybody. That guy looks like Steve Harvey. He's he looks cool. That guy's so he just dope. Cool. Look, he looks like Tupac <laughs> mixed with Steve Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> Your words, not mine. But uh, I don't know this guy, but it sounds like he has a mustache. Enum Claw is has dope the as coolest fuck. mustache. I literally mustache just found is them. Dummy. Oh god. I need to get put on. <laughs> they gave me blue balls. They responded to my email and they're like, "We'd love to." And then the next day they're like, when our next album comes out, I'm like, fuck. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's even better. No, that is. They need something to talk about. That makes sense. That's true. I just want to be their friends right now. Yeah. <laughs> I want you now. <laughs> but like King Bl Youngblood, that's dope that you got him on the um, Clean Sound song. Yeah. So Cameron uh, and I have a cool relationship. I basically see him once a quarter. Okay. And... We just jam and make like 10 to 20 songs in about four hours. It's just unbelievable. He's like a big teddy bear. Oh, he's the nicest guy. Oh, and he's in New York right now. Yeah. I'm so proud of him. Yeah, they got the. I'm proud of him. They're going to kill it out there. 
so so stoked for that. that's heartbroken i missed their show at barboza me too but <laughs> i saw a video i got invited to like four different shows i was like this is the weirdest problem I, I, saw, I saw a video from that show though where Cameron was you know he's on his wireless guitar and stuff and he's gigging in the crowd and I see Noby in the background just raging and I was like ah we did it <laughs> one of the representatives was there it was there <laughs> excellent <laughs> yeah man I love that yeah Cameron's great um, and you know I've so I've met a lot of people playing saxophone when I first came to the city uh, I started working with Shayhan. I don't know if you know the Sultans or Jay. I do not. I, I'm I'm nodding my head, but I'm I apologize okay. to you guys. I don't. No, no. <laughs> Are you? Oh, don't apologize to me. <laughs> he he uh, he sings very very good though. Okay, I'll check. Very, it out. He sings good. the good music. He yeah. is also a human Chinook. Um, I like the good music. <laughs> I'll send it to you. He's got this song Godspeed. That's just dumb. I actually have like a rogue sax solo. Um, for that. Well, actually, actually, so uh, you're familiar with Fulminate. You remember the song One Question? I didn't remember uh, the titles of them. Okay. Um, there's a singer that comes on at the start before Nobi's verse. It's like okay. a minute long thing. That's Shehan. Shehan has okay. a, it's featured yeah. on one of those songs. Got it. Yeah, he's, Which anyway. Which I think my favorite song is it Displaced. Is that one of the titles? Ooh, that's one that Shehan uh, did the drums for. Okay, that's like one of my favorite songs on the. It's <laughs> a good song. That was an insane song. There needs to be like a music video for that and Lost. Those two. Those oh, are my two. Oh, hey, these are my hey, two. That, that other hold thing on. you said. Yeah, close your eyes and wish really hard because <laughs> guess what? We have great news for it's, you. It's not like we haven't been working on it for a oh. year, but oh it's, shit! First product placement, Lost by Nobi, produced by Tim Carpenter, coming soon. Directed by Tim Carpenter. Oh, sorry, directed by. Kim. Sorry, sorry. But, yeah, no, we're finishing the filming for that soon. Yeah. That's we uh so we started production before the coronavirus on a kind of bigger budget video. Oh shit. Um and the circumstances that made it possible was this guy approached Nobi and was like, Hey, I really want to work with you. And so the records that they decided on working on was lost. And wow. so there's this theatric like cinematic kind of movie that's it's incredible but it's taken 14 months because yep and that's how it goes when you have a giant 12 month pandemic in the middle of your (laughs) two months long video shoot wow oh so then how much is it you paying attention to these artists versus them reaching out is it like 50 50 or is it Ooh, good question it's a little both there's well, there has to be, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't... If it was just all me, then I'd be like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. Do you really want to work with me? Or uh, what's going on here? The nice thing about... Uh, so I did not like the idea, and I still don't. I don't like the idea of putting up my beats for $25 non-exclusive lease and having 4 million people rap on it mm. and putting a damn son, where'd you find this <laughs> on my beat? I'm good. So I got with a lawyer when I first started, when I was like 22, and he helped me lay out what's called a co-publishing agreement. And this is a cool radical concept because basically what it subtly did is it changes the dynamic relationship between a producer and an artist. Instead of it being about, 
you pay me the producer and then I wait until you make millions of dollars before I emotionally sue you <laughs> and then take like pennies on the dollar from a record label that's ultimately the benefactor of this uncooperative nature and this not my job approach so what instead this lawyer said and me concocted in this room in Boston was that equity was what was the valuable thing in these relationships so we made an agreement that supersedes um, the you buy a license from me relationship and changes it into we are working on compositions together and I'm taking my services my ability to record you my production my beats um, which people like a lot yeah. and my other skills as a musician and artist and songwriter and that's worth 50% in your artistry combined with you selling it combined with you pushing this and mounting a sound business plan uh, is worth 50% this 50-50% relationship has enabled me to create um, songs instead of focus on the revenue that I make from them. So, um, does that mean every artist has like a contract that you're having them sign or like, how does that even come into play? So normally it's verbal agreement, but by the time we get to releasing, um, yeah, it's like a songwriting split basically. And on paper it, you know, labels the percentages and I've kind of been a little bit more on the savvy side for licensing. So it gives, you know, the company that's holding my copyrights, Doppler Effect Entertainment, the right to license or um, publish the material. This kind of allows me to go make vinyls of Fulminate, for instance, and stuff like that. So, or license instrumentals out for commercials. Um, <clears throat> all because you're under one company? or No, because it's all under one agreement. One agreement. And it's case by case. So I'm not out here saying um, this is kind of the answer to me not wanting to take a traditional record label brick and mortar approach. Technically, what the range of services that I provide amounts to is label services. Mm, okay. You could come to me and I can help you release your album independently. I even have a major PR guy who I call, he does good work. That's basically no different than any other record label out there, except for they have the Rolodex of relationships, they have the licensing, they have the <clears throat> ways to um, generate profit off of monetization of copyrights that are developed over the hundreds of years that it took for the music industry to get formed. So, and, and did you learn? Did you learn these things while being in school? Like, how did you even? Twenty two. How did you even come to learn any of yeah. this? <laughs> so, I got a studio internship at a place called Sanctum Sound ten years ago today. Oh, actually, wow. yes. I, clap, Gertie. Clap. <laughs> I. It, it's funny. I was pointing it out as the only person who. Brought in a paper resume. It's the only person who wrote a cover letter. They said the other guy who applied for it put his experience as a janitor at Wendy's. 
<laughs> for this studio internship at this like major studio in Boston. To be fair, most most recording studio internships, you will be taking out trash and mopping. And I things, was cleaning so. up the most horrific toilets. <laughs> oh God! But I, I make this beat. <laughs> I told myself, if I clean this toilet, it's going to be the cleanest toilet you've ever seen, and people are going to say, "How is it so clean in here?" And somebody's going to say, "Jake was the intern," and wow. it worked. Because one of the lead engineers ended up taking me under his wing and really showing me a lot. And that couple with a couple friends of mine who were graduates from Berkeley, I got with this cool lawyer who was like way ahead of his time. Wow. Way. He's working for ACLU now. Wow. Um, cool dude. Brian Allen. <laughs> this goes back about 13 years, by the way. So I have been meticulously studying and surrounding myself with people who are smarter than me. <laughs> That's basically all it is. Ask a bunch of questions. Your beard makes you look extra smart, though. Thank you. That's so nice. <laughs> You're so nice. Thank you for giving me that compliment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I wish I had hair. Um, both of you guys. Look at that. Uh. Beautiful long hair. <laughs> beautiful curly hair. I'm so jealous. Um, no, I'm not jealous. I'm proud. I'm happy for you guys. I can't grow facial Trace. hair, so this is what I have instead. Okay, and that's a fair trade. I'll trade <laughs> you. No, I'm kidding. I kind of like my big beard now. It's, I grew into it. Yeah, it looks great. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think uh, it's not even... At the end of the day, we're uploading a lot of stuff to DistroKid. So the they handle most of the distribution of rights. And then from there, we go registered on like BMI and you know sound exchange and all that those rights are handled accordingly rights management is three quarters of the game yeah at the end of the day um, it's actually one of the most important things you can do if you're trying to step above being an artist and you know if you can produce a record and never worry about this kind of stuff by the way but because of the nature of most of my deals I end up kind of getting a little more involved than just making the beat. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how it happens like that. You know, I'll be like, one day I'm making a beat with someone, next day I'm driving Zenaid at Tri-Cities to go shoot a music video with Justin Frick. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have a connection all the way around. So there's like musicians, Justin Frick, all these like... Yeah. That's wild to me. I have some fun, fun Justin stories from recently. No, but I mean that's that's the whole thing. Is it is it's from day one of us getting in with stuff together. I was coming in, I was coming in, I was taking pictures, uh, and stuff. And and Jake would, uh, you know, we kind of, hey, hey, like you want to keep coming in and doing this? Like, mm -hmm. let me trade you some studio time. I know you want to make some music too. Mm. And we spent two years working on a on a six song EP together, um, of of him just engineering for me and helping curate and stuff. And uh, what it came down to was let's create these artistic relationships and let's build a team. And uh, we built a really, really cool team <clears throat> and we have, we have a really, really strong network. And, yeah. and uh, so that's, you know, why I pulled up today is we're working on some stuff together, doing team stuff. And he said, yo, can you get me, give me a ride out here today? And I was like, yes. And then we'll go and have this other business meeting. And like, Hell yeah. it's yeah. all, it's all about the teamwork stuff. We're all in this together. My whole, my whole goal is to create it or have an ecosystem or ecosystem through my creative connections and well, facilitate <laughs> and kind of make my impact felt 
more than seen. Mm-hmm. And is there a reason that, or maybe I'm not looking at the bigger picture, is it, is it seem like you guys are mostly working with Seattle, Pacific Northwest artists, or do you work with artists outside of? Currently, we're working with PNW artists. Um, mainly, I mean, yeah, I would say uh, PNW Washington artist artists. We got Yell. She's in LA. Yeah, she's oh, yeah. from Tri though. Yeah. That's but... Tops. Isn't that Tops' sister or something? Yeah, I mean, I, I could yes. I could start naming artists and it would just go on for a while. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> yeah, weird. Yeah, but there's 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 people in the network all over the place because we've yeah. we've started to started to grow our, our network that way. Um, we we got we all got lots of connections in LA and kind of all around now. Trying to get more. Yeah. Um, but always trying to get more. Do you think Seattle can be like? An actual music scene like in LA, Atlanta, New York. I think it already is a music scene. Right, but from the outside. What do you mean? I don't feel like we get respected enough. Like when you ask anyone if they think Seattle is a music scene, even from people living in Seattle, they think it's Nirvana still. Interestingly enough, I think that. How do I say it? If you look for music and talent in this region, you don't have to look hard. It's here. It's kind of the best kept secret in my opinion. (laughs) It's really a good one. Tacoma and Olympia are, and Vancouver, and Portland. I love Portland artists. Yeah, no, it's a, we live in an artistic driven pocket. because my experience of going out and going on some tours and things, people will be like, wow, you're from Seattle. That must be the most incredible place to work in music because that's Mm -hmm. like, that's like the hub of music, like one of the music hubs in the world. And like, you know, sometimes it might not feel that way from the inside. I feel like the hip hop scene hasn't gotten the notoriety it should yet, but but we're getting there. I mean, look at, look at the few artists who just picked up some big record deals up here. Right. Incredible. Yeah. We just, and who is that one? She's a little younger. Is her name Penny? Oh no, I'm butchering her name. Penny. Shoot. There's this one. What? Rapper from I think she goes to Garfield or Roosevelt. She's like 17 or 18, and she just got picked up by majors. We also are forgetting about uh, really Laze. Laze. Also got oh. picked up by majors. Mm-hmm. But was it? Was it Louie? Louis got Louis picked up. Yeah, just recently. And Jay Loud. Shout out Chris back. He's just killing. Yeah. Oh, wow. But we don't really have record labels or media outlets here. Versus when you think of a music scene. What's a media outlet? What's a city-based media outlet that's th- flourishing right now? Got the Breakfast Club. Got the LA Leakers. You got... That's New York and LA. Right. Okay. I'm just listening you're, off. You're absolutely We don't right. have record labels. Like, we have Sub Pop, right? Okay. But... KXP is recognized nationally, though. KXP is kind of yeah, out here. KXP is big, but but you're absolutely right. You're not that, wrong. That as far as uh, I I would and again I would bring this back to for music, I think notoriety is high for specifically hip hop. I think I think notoriety out here is is still far from where it needs to be. Well, I think it's everything. Like even when we're talking about Enum Claw, they're still not huge, but we're sure. like in awe. Of course. Them. 
because they're getting write-ups everywhere and it's not like the paid like we passed a pr guy press release write-ups it's like people were actually interested in it but yes at the same time it's not like we have plethoras of groups like them but we have quite a few but then why are there why are there artists that are part of the scene for like over a decade and nothing's come of it if they're talented versus if they were like in an LA or in a New York, Atlanta, this is excuse. I'm using excuse. These are, I, these I, are I, great questions. Um, it's a fantastic question. There are mixtures between questions and excuses. Cause if I, if I, if, if I was on this end and someone was asking me these questions, I could sure. only answer with excuses as well. I, uh, I think the reality of that situation is, is that no matter what city or scene you enter into in the world, you're going to find people like that, that you're like, wow, how have they not just taken off yet and the answer is because it doesn't work that way there's a guy you can look up he's from boston his name is jt jd taylor i believe he's part of a crew called agari crew awesome awesome singer when did work for Ludacris? been in the game for 10 20 years worked right next to ryan leslie you ain't know about his name he was right next to Ryan Leslie. Ryan Leslie was trying to bring him on. He said, you have to give up everything to do this shit. Dude didn't believe him. He was wrong. There's no, uh, there's no deciding factor to when you have officially failed. Mm. There's no point where you have lost the battle as an artist, except for the one you decide. Sometimes that can be like the ego death you need, because then you're like, no, I'm not gonna go out like this. But ultimately, you can go 10, 20 years on fumes and uh, finally hit that spark. And then you just explode. Look at Rodriguez. And more and more artists are proving this to be true as they hit their mid-30s. They're starting to find their longevity. We got a guy, um, Benjamin Harper. He's a local cat, too. He's world-renowned. People know his name. He can walk around the city. He makes his check. He's a very respected artist. That looks like a successful artist to me. And he might not be featured on Pitchfork. Hopefully he will. I think he could be. But do you think the success <laughs> for artists have changed? It's versus like in the nineties. Well I feel like Yes. I feel like we're all hip hop based, so we we're when we think of artists, I think we first think of like hip hop. But like and just in general, do you think it's changed for every type of artist? Or do you think Yes. Cause some like bands are more like we got Nathan Chan, who's the principal cellist up there at Seattle Symphony, and ask him about TikTok and what it's done for his career. Oh yeah, or uh, I mean, from 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 my angle of looking at it, look at a I mean, outside of music is artistry. Look at a Cole Bennett who could never make another <clears throat> music video again in his entire life, and he set he built an empire. Yeah. He built a, a platform. He's a He's a celebrity who directed music videos. We live in a completely different era now. Like everything is, is the whole landscape's changed. Yeah. Some people really make it off of building the platform. Some people really make it off of holding the space. 
Look at like SZA or Frank Ocean. They really made it off of writing like just copious amounts of hits. Frank Ocean people. never has to put out music again, but if he does, the whole world will stand for, still for it. For years. Yeah. And they could have given up at any point in time and said, this is where it is, and I'm not going to keep it going anymore. Same with Sia. And uh, they kept it going. Sia is a great example because they're like a little bit, you know, uh, more developed and have more years in the game. So it's about like perspective, right? Mm. You can say, I've been in the city for 10 years and I haven't made it. Or you can say, my my come up has been over 10 years in the making. Mm. Which one is going to sell the room better though? <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? It's a mirror. Yeah, because the, the blow up overnight statement is always so funny because how many people start rapping and on their first day they they blow up. No, all of us have been doing this for so long. It's yeah. it's it's a it's a progression all the yeah. way up and sometimes sometimes you go all the way and sometimes you just build until you have a thousand people that'll support you. If you have a thousand people that are willing to give you ten bucks a month, that's you know, ten thousand dollars a month. But what's, what's success to you and what's success to you? Like, Ooh. You, you want to oh. go first? You go first. I want to hear you. <laughs> I want to hear this. I'm one. a very competitive person. As far as my music goes, I really love that uh, 20 years from now, I'm going to be able to look back and have music with all my favorite rappers from the city and that I did this cool thing. As, a, as an artist in other fields and doing other stuff, though, I want to be the best to ever do this. And like... I'm yep. going to grow to be the best to ever do this as a, as a filmmaker, uh, as a photographer, as a, you know, I make clothes now. I own a clothing company. Like, um, I, I mean, I want to, I want to be 10 times bigger than Cole Bennett and not because I want to be famous, but because I want to like, I just want to be the best. Man, I love that. That's that hip hop mentality. And I mean, as an artist, of course. Um, it's to perform to my highest capabilities and to inspire people around me continuously and to continue to be blessed by this well of inspiration that I continuously find myself in. That's success. You have lovely words. Thank you so much. <laughs> I've practiced them and worked on them for a while. That's great. That, yeah, I mean, and that's the that's the blessing of I'm 33 I've been doing this for 15 years and there were 14 of them 15 years I swore I was going to make it that year mm. <laughs> and what changed then? I did make it there we go you know what I mean it's just a different way of looking at it I woke up one day in the middle of the pandemic and said that's it I found it it's the craziest thing. My life is a story, man. It's a big old movie. Kind of is. It's funny. This guy is sh rolls around me. We've been me. through a lot together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is that. like some modern day Gonzo shit right here. <laughs> <laughs> are there any artists that you're banking on to make it though? Do you think there's someone that like you guys are both close to that you're like, if this guy Nobody. blows up, this will definitely help our. Platform not not even help. Just Noby's my favorite rapper of all time above anybody else, and I'll put that on anything. He's he's best. Nobody's, best to ever do it. Noby's second album, um, which I am definitely here to talk about a little bit, um, was graced by Philip Peterson, who's the cellist who has 
played for pop stars like Ed Sheeran, Taylor Swift. He played the strings for One Train by ASAP Rocky. Mm. He is a gem in the PNW and was gracious enough to help me um, assemble a cinematic masterpiece with Nomi called Balance. It's his follow-up to Fulminate. And to answer your question, there's not a single artist I'm working with that I don't think is going to have incredible amounts of success. And I'm going to be making sure that I am a continuously instrumental part of that success if it is deemed worthy and appropriate. Mm. Whether they're successful after our life travels or when our paths diverge, I does not hinder my belief that they will become successful and find their balance with their artists and their personas and who they are. And how'd, how'd you guys meet Nobi? Nobi met me through Shehan. And actually in the same, I think it's the same building that Nobi met James. Uh, it's this frat house in UW. Yep. And yeah. Shehan and his producer Jared were rehearsing for a show and Nobi was there and poor Nobi and me were kind of in the middle of a very heated rehearsal. It's very cute. And eventually I got tired of hearing it and asked uh, Nobi if he wanted to smoke a joint. <laughs> but before we went and smoked, he ended up rapping on one of the songs that he was featuring on with them. And I just like remember my jaw dropping because when I came to the city, I had this notion that I was going to find this artist that I just never found. I was producing for seven years at that point, and I was just like, I'm I'm just not finding an artist that's doing the thing that meets my music's requirements. And then, lo and behold, I find Nobi. Wow. And yeah. uh, I was like, hey, man, do you want to come through to my studio? Uh, it's a basement studio in Queen Anne, Lower Queen Anne right next to the current, the new opera house. Mm. It was not an opera house back then. So, um, and that began a five, six year journey that led to Fulminate. So. <laughs> yeah, so it definitely was that same basement. Um, it was that <laughs> yes. same basement and there was a there was a house show and I was I was really in the house show scene for a while going to a lot of folk punk shows and I was actually going to weekly ciphers at that house. Um, and, uh, so so that's why that's why I pulled out there. I knew that they they had a keg there that night, and oh, it was yeah. it was a, it was a good time. And I pull up, and uh, I remember uh, they they were like ciphering a little bit. Like nobody was rapping with a couple other people, and so I went over and I jumped in. I was going. I had the the worst uh, Wook name at the time. My name was Fibonacci. <laughs> that's what I rapped as, and yeah. and I, I I didn't do any camera stuff at the time. I did a little bit of skate stuff, but like not a. But I, I wasn't doing any of that. I just rapped, um, and uh, so I rapped with them a little bit. And we smoked some weed together, and uh, whoa, whoa. and we yeah, very yeah. very similar. <laughs> and then he went on and and he performed with the Sultans, and I had never like felt the urge to dance at a show. I'm very Seattle grunge. I don't like dancing. I lean up in, against the corner and I smoke a cigarette. Um, Shehan and the Sultans were incredible. And I was like dancing with my girl who I was there with. And then Nobi came on and uh, he did a couple songs with them and then he did uh, Gangsters in a Pond, which 
is the deep cut if you've never been on Noby's SoundCloud way, wow. way seven years ago. Um, I have all of those songs saved on, a, on a, a hard C drive. Is that a Ray too. song? No, no. Gangsters in a Pond is just, just Noby, but I think it's a Soltan's produced one. Oh, um, okay. It's very old. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. It's, it, that's a that's an old one. It's one. Of, it's still one of my favorites. He was talking about redoing it. Maybe at some point it'd be really cool. Uh, but he did that, and I went and, and I tapped in with him, and I got his SoundCloud plug and stuff, and was like, "Oh, cool, cool." Uh, you know, like you're one of the dopest I've ever heard out here. Like I really like what you do, and and me and the girl I was dating got really into his stuff at the time. And then all of my friends too, and we were all huge fans for like years. And him and Karma would spam me SoundCloud oh, links, and be like, "Can you repost this?" Yeah, can... that's my dude. Yeah, I found Karma through SoundCloud, and went, hey, can you repost this? Hey, can you repost this? And then in my first few months at Rainier Avenue Radio, uh, I wanted to make a good impression on our on our dude that that runs a hip hop show there. His name's his name's Daniel Bellis D Money, and uh, I was like, I can get you Karma and Nobi. Like I've talked to him a handful of times. I can I can get them for you because they had a show coming up at Central Saloon that my good friend Jordan Callahan was booking. Um, wow. And I know so that I, show too. I reached it. Yeah, it was a Palmer yeah. Squares show. Yeah. And uh, he almost broke his funny, leg. Also, where I met Ryan Henriksen, uh, Ryan Van Hagen. But Same. I uh, <laughs> he did nobody did almost break his leg. But I hit him up, and they came out, and I met Karma for the first time. And that's also where I met Justin Frick, and. Uh, they came out and they did the interview and uh then I, I went to the show that night and then it was just kind of like you know we didn't we didn't talk like that for a while until jake started coming in when he moved into the studio and they started coming in i fanboy geeked out when he told me he worked with nobi like that wow so i get in i start yeah. shooting a little bit like that and uh at some point nobi came up to me and we were talking in there and he was like well if you uh if you need work, like, I got you. I'm going to keep you busy. And uh, I think I, I shot the Christmas Nomad show with, well, I shot the Macintosh show first that, that Lone Wolf and Cub and Karma wow. were on. And I paid to get into that show. Oh, that was a shot dope album, the Lone Wolf and Cub album. Lone Wolf and Cub Ooh. was good. That one was good. M I Mr. produced Shao one of the joints on that, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, Shao's Sha a great guy, too. Shao Sosa. Um, Nobi's dad. Yes. Um, Amazing. Shout out but to Chow. Paid to get real. into the Macintosh show, <laughs> shot that to like make a good impression, send some pictures out. And then uh, I went and Nobi started taking me to, to every show and I was getting in the studio with you guys more. And then it was it was yeah. a wrap. I went everywhere with you guys. Crucial documentation, <laughs> whole honestly. Thing. Like the, <laughs> the whole thing. That was like <laughs> Just two, three years ago. Perfectly. Yeah. Amazing. The first time I heard of you actually was before the pandemic. Okay. I did so much stuff before the pandemic. It's crazy that how things slowed down. Okay, I should start asking people how they heard about me. There Who sent go. you? Uh, I um. I met. Who did I interview first? I think I interviewed. It must have been Nobi, and then I interviewed Cash MC. Okay. Yep. I think it was. I think I interviewed Nobi first. I interviewed Karma. And then I think it was Nobi. And then I interviewed Cash and C. And then you guys put out that song together where the music video was like the fire. Are you know it right now. Oh yeah, the right, right right now, now video was oh. fun. Lighting the ground on fire and stuff. We had a good time with that. Cash. That's the first time. Cash wrapped his ankles off on that. He did. 
Zion Williams is how I be feeling. Uh, I, I do I do be missing that that warehouse every day too. I haven't seen Cash in a minute. I um shout out Cash. Shout out the, Cash. He was the last person I think from the music scene really except Nestra. Nestra is like just one of my shout out Nestra. Shout out Nestra. That's a good dude too. <laughs> he's like exciting. one of my best buds. Oh cool. But he's um, he's sneaky good. Ooh. He's sneaky good. I think I'm getting him on like a pretty big song. I'm really, really? Ex- I'm really excited about that. Okay, you, top secret. You're a cool friend, man. <laughs> Get me. I need a friend like you, bro. Dang. Oh, is that mine? But um, basically, I what I would do is when artists came to town, like touring, I like hit up their manager or them and be like, "Hey, would they like to do an interview, a Seattle interview?" Yeah. The, the last one I did was with. Do you know who Marky Basie is? Yeah. So I interviewed Marky Basie, and I didn't have any camera equipment. And then Cash came in and like helped film it, and then that was like March fourteenth or something around there. It was like the one of the last Seattle shows, and then after that, the pandemic happened like the following week, and that was the last time I really this saw. This is him. weird. I'm getting the craziest deja vu right now. For yeah, one. y'all remember what that that was. Right around that time, we were filming New Chains. Oh, my gosh. Wow. What a time. I'm pretty sure I had the virus when we were filming New Chains. You remember yeah. how sick I was, and I had to go home. I passed yep. out for two days and then woke up and went to the Atmosphere show. All bad. <laughs> All bad. Yeah, I think, like, five people around me caught coronavirus before it officially landed in America. Oh, God. Well, no, it, it, had, be, it had been there. We had had the, like, first... Because I remember us all sitting, like... Uh, I had the sticker in my car for forever, but it was from like the last big show that I oh. shot at Showbox for the Rebel Soldiers. I'm sorry, my bad. Yeah. Not before it showed up, before they acknowledged. Oh, it yeah, up. no. Well, Guess. they were like, "Ooh, this weird thing that's yeah. now at SeaTac. It came here, and everybody was like, this is weird.' Oh, weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what a year! Six months later, they were like, time "Sorry, work. remember in November when you were coughing a lot? Yeah, congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> Here's five hundred dollars." Uh. <laughs> how, how is, do you guys think the pandemic's over or close oh, to? No. I, I think we're it's just bad. getting started with our understanding and symbiotic balance with this, but it's not any different than any other pandemic, is it? I don't know. I feel like we could easily go back into another lockdown in a couple of months. So what I'm trying to do is just do everything that I like. What I want to talk to you about after the show, I want to do everything that I can possibly can do before. Some shit comes out where like before everybody else fucks it up for us. I <laughs> yeah. I agree. That's why I'm so excited to get out and shoot shows and shoot events. Like it like everything's coming back full force right now and it's and it's really cool um to, to be able to get out and do things yes. again. I work for Supernova now, so I'm like Ooh. at the club every Shout week shooting. <laughs> Shout uh, out Zach Levine. Love that guy. <laughs> the the the, the Noby show with the nomads next week's gonna pop off. <laughs> Amazing things, yeah, yeah. So. In, packed rooms, packed rooms. Get out and have fun. Just hey, does anybody still? Safe. Does anybody get mask mask phobia or mask anxiety when they're like walking up to his door? Like I'll be like, oh fuck, I need to put on my mask. Oh, every I still, single time. I still wear. I got a nast. It's over there, but I have a fucking nast mask now, so I have to wear it. Oh, fine. <laughs> I need to get a digital one. That's oh, perfect. Shit. It is. Type. If I'm downtown. I pretty much have it on all the time because it's busy and stuff. But I've taken three trips to Spokane the last two months. They are weird if you wear masks in their oh, place. Oh yeah, they look at you type away. Yeah, they've been yeah. Ugh. 
It's my right to not wear a mask. Yeah, we went to the Tri-Cities in last November, last October, and nobody was wearing masks. And I was reading about how they were just getting annihilated by the <laughs> yeah, coronavirus. In, and in you, know June, what's, you know what's funny? Like, you know, the truth of the matter is, like, uh, it's kind of sad that we're still in this place where comfort is being placed at a premium at somebody's expense. Whose expense could it be? Hmm. It's just like this common theme that just kind of keeps plaguing us every 50 years or so. I think it's brushed back under that rug. Do you know what I'm talking about? Something to do with racism, classism, all, 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 all that, and all you that could file those out under, under oppression. Yes. Dun, 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 dun. And it's just overprivileged people that don't want to read a book that are ultimately contributing to us literally having a civil discussion. But this is a reality that things could close back down and everything could go back away, and even that lack of security for the moment is enabled by people who are overprivileged people yeah. who don't have empathy. You said read a book. They do read. The problem is, is that we're not talking, talking yeah. about books that are they written by Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> Trash. I can't act like CNN and MSNBC ain't feeling the same kind of fires though. Well, the, the, but, the, the media the media is out here to stir the pot of anyway. Course. They're, they're not, none of them are on our side. I'm not listening to either one. No. Anyway. The NAS podcast is on your side. Oh, I actually, <laughs> you, hey, yes. your, last, your last interview with Perry was awesome. Oh, Su- shit. Support yeah, that was local cool. media. Yeah. Definitely support. Can we touch on media. that then? Yes, please. Okay. I was hoping so, we would. So you guys are both close to the martial law. Of thing. course. Oh, I want to, I want to talk about. You can step out. I'm here for the, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm here for the I'm, smoke. Yeah, I want to start, know? I want to start with the. Whatever the, what was that airplane hanger song? That you, <laughs> well, I made the music video for that song. True. I, and, oh and God, you guys are both. Are you guys? Okay, okay. <laughs> what do you want? What yeah, do you want to know? Let's run what, through what's it. Good? What's good? How? Okay, first before we touch specifically on them, how did that song affect you or you from all the backlash that it got? The weirdest thing happened. Nobody mentioned my name. Hmm. Isn't that weird? Also, same. Um, and, uh, and I'm sad because the oh kind God. of the wrong version of the video got uploaded where it wasn't color graded properly. So I'm like, I have a better version of the video, but no, no, nobody said a word. It was everybody's problem had to do with them not liking the song. I like the song. Bro shouts me out in it. I, th- I think it's kind of, of course a bop. You <laughs> I, Well, I'm the one who told him to do that song when we were in the airplane. We were there shooting a promo video for the show that was at the Museum of Flight. Um, and we, we, uh, so they brought me out to film some stuff so we could make promo stuff for them and Tres Leches. And uh, he's like, bro, we could like do a little one take in here. And I'm like, cool, cool. What song you got? And he's like, oh, well, I got this one with Pompeii. We could do his stuff somewhere else. I know. No, what song do you have, dude? Like, yeah, we could film somebody else's parts. But we could film a whole video for you in the Museum of yep. Flight right now. What are we doing? And uh, he said, well, I got that truth joint with Jake. And what's funny is we all thought that the Macklemore line and the Travis Thompson line were going to be the, the, the cause of de- debate. Um, and that's what we were like excited. We were like, this is controversial, but it's true and it means something. And like, this is going to be important. Nobody brought that stuff up either. They just really mm. didn't like the song. They just, 
They just really didn't like it. Yeah. I think Perry made like a good it. point, though. I think Perry, sure, said that Marshall and the band pushes too much positivity. That So they, anything that they try to do that's controversial kind of just gets pushed under the rug. Like, uh, I guess, I, I guess, what was it? So I went to this crazy thing two weeks ago where Soul did this, like, workshop on how to use Ableton. Cool. It was wild. Wow. Only, like, ten people were able to go. What? Yeah, it was really cool. Oh, man, I got to pay more attention. I would have gone just and, Yeah, that out. sounds cool. That sounds cool. I and haven't he, seen Saul in forever. He was talking about how a spe- specific word or phrase can end up being a hook versus, like, a chorus. And people get yeah. too caught up in how people think a hook and a chorus are the same thing, but they're absolutely not. No. So I felt like for you or guy, for that song, it almost was like the Macklemore thing was supposed to be, like, the hook. But no, no one caught on to it. What do you think of this song? Oh, that's the we're flipping the script. He's a special guest now. When the interview, oh, there we go. <laughs> the interviewee. I want to know. Hmm. Honest, like seriously, the most honest, yeah. Most be honest. brutally honest. I'm that's that's know what the that's truth. what we want. Yeah, like that's <laughs> it is important to be. I'm honest not going to be here. like, yo, oh, nast, oh, gosh, go. never listened in this podcast. <laughs> No, please tell me. But I would first love to of all, hear I, your opinion. First of all, I really like Marshall. I think he's a great guy. And please do not justify your opinion before giving an answer. Okay. Just give me your opinion. I think that <laughs> I feel like you made a corny beat on purpose. It was a okay. dope. It was a cool beat. Yeah. I feel like you've made like the beats that you make. You want to give that beat to Nobi, and you want to you want to even give that beat to. I don't know. You work so many artists. Anyone. Yeah, you wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I, I feel like that know, beat was kind of like, there's nothing wrong with like a goofy, fruity beat, but it kind of reminded me of like, yeah. kind of reminded me of like an old McDonald beat. And <laughs> sure. Then, and I, but I felt I like that, that was purposeful for, it was purposeful for, it was a perfect, perfect beat for Marshall, but it almost felt, it was like, it it was so it was so good for Marshall to the point that it kind of like it showed how people really think of Marshall's rapping. It like yes. matched his rapping too perfectly. Okay, if that makes this sense. This is so cool. Thank you for sharing that. By the way, does that it, make was sense? that hard? Was yeah. that kind of hard? I don't want to be a mean guy. I don't think I. Hey, you're not being mean. Uh, no, 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 no. You know what? Honesty is valued in this because yeah. because at the end of the day, yes, yes, artistry is subjective. People's tastes are subjective, <laughs> but. There is always growth that can come from criticism. We it's need it very important. So, in back to the kitchen philosophy, in <laughs> nice Michelin kitchens, there will be forty or fifty cooks that work there, right? Yes. And you know what they do after it closes, and places like Alinea, they have this thing where all of them get together in this big kitchen and they showcase plates, mm. and they roast each other's dishes, and they give honest, critical feedback. In a place of trust, where that social gr- contract is made, that we're here to get better. It's like Fight Club. I, yeah, that's awesome. You shared your real opinion. Now I, I get to now I get to have the pleasure of sharing the backstory of this beat. I okay. passed this beat to Marshall right when I opened Catalyst Labs. 
It, and where's Catalyst Labs? That, that was, was Rainier the, Ave Radio Rainier when Ave I Radio. met okay. James. Where we filmed the was, Right Now video with it, Cash. It okay. was actually an office for Tony Benton. And he was like, this is where I play bass. And I saw this big room with high ceilings. And I said, I can make this a studio. Mm-hmm. So I paid him no money for rent and was always late. This poor <laughs> man used to chase me around for rent money. <laughs> oh, I'm uh, the worst. I passed him a Lucy beat that was sitting in a licensing agreement for like elevator music. Oh, wow. And he picked it for the outro of his album, which was not titled 12th and Pine because okay. it was pre pandemic, mm. pre George Floyd, pre all of that. And what his intent was, was for it to be the outro of his album. So this wasn't even supposed to be a single. No, and this they was were, actually and at that point they were probably going to take it and transition it into live instruments too. Yeah, we were talking about Marshall me selling that. it to the band and like teaching them the parts. Not that I had to. <laughs> Zach, they, Mercy yeah, is, they just learned. He it. would be able to shed it in like two seconds and be like, yeah. "Digital actually isn't that smart." Um, <laughs> you know, like like most piano. That's players. okay. He plays in a jam They're band. He's looking down on you. Um, so, <laughs> so. You know what wins me with Marshall? That he took this Lucy shit fucking beat of mine and he got all that out of it. He matched it perfectly. So I had this premise and I started tossing him heaters. Heaters. Mm. (laughs) Through the kitchen sink at him. I still am because I have this premise. If you give them the chance, see what happens. And that kid has never shied away from a conversation with me. He's never shied away from a conversation with people I've seen. If people run up on him, whether it's, uh, you know, um, I'm not going to name drop because I don't want to insinuate that any of this discourse is negative. It's not. That's the thing. It's very positive. And it's encouraging to see that. I'm glad you had me on. I'm that's also why I watched the Perry thing so that I could be like, bro, hit me with the hit me with the realness. Cause yeah. I think I believe and I truly like have a few Marshall records that we're sitting on right now. You might be surprised, man. And also I'm I'm showing it to all walks of life, people in and out of the city. Some people uh, are pretty impressed by um, the real life results on top of the fact that it's consistency. Say what you want. Fremont Fridays is a game changer for artists and artist groups. The venue put a suggested band tip on their receipt and they're giving a band equity when they do well, the band does well. Wow. And that changes the dynamic. What we're trying to do is express the beauty of this situation for people like groups of artists, like groups of talented artists that want to say that they're curating something or um, facilitating some sound that is a city. I challenge them to observe some of those movements like those local movements and see how we can facilitate more healthy relationships with businesses because unhealthy relationships with business manifest themselves in the form of the Capitol Hill Pride incident. (laughs) 
the backstory there is that is a merchant group. That is a street fair thrown by businesses who lost revenue when they diverted the pride parade away from Capitol Hill to Seattle Center. Yet we aren't talking about those two organizers who filed the complaint yet, are we? We should. Doc, I really don't know much about the pride stuff, honestly. The only Man, thing, there's like a litany. Like it's, it's just. Uh, so I'd much. like to hear all of it. The only thing I knew was they fucking were trying to charge white people to <laughs> go to the event. No, no, no. A reparations model is reparations a, model. That was stupid. Just, I'm a black guy, and I think that's the most stupid. If you want hey, equality, you don't well, force well, reparations on no, people. No, 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 like no. That. Well, and, <laughs> okay. I, I was just think it was, and, and the the reason it's coming across to some people wrong in that way is is. Uh, if we if we look at it in the model of what what we're doing is offering black and brown people to come to the event for free because that's not often a courtesy that you know it, it's not that, a, a courtesy that's ever gestured a, 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 like in that direction and it was for one specific event during pride all right it was for one specific event it was just for 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 taking black pride you know this wasn't the whole parade no no the None of this even had to do with the parade. The parade was at Seattle Center. Capitol Hill Pride was the one that was making a fuss about about the the reparations model, and taking Black Pride was at Jimi Hendrix Park. They were all happening the same weekend, but they were different events. And so what it, what it came down to with that was uh, those organizers that reached out to the Human Rights Board were incredibly in the wrong for doing that, and they were doing it out of spite because they didn't want to lose money. Um, as we said, it's a it's a merchants association, and that's why this whole thing is a uh, is a very complicated situation. I've had some people reaching out to me and asking me specifically, "What are your feelings on how everything went down?" And I'm like, to be honest, like, I I I don't know. It's 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 a lot and it's very complex. But what doesn't what doesn't hit me in the way with it is. Uh, like, why are we talking about martial law band when the the people who are doing the real wrongdoings are are still out there and not getting talked about? Yep. That their businesses are still being patronized. So Marshall got thrown into this because he was with the company. Like, no, because because they were playing the Here event and they didn't drop the out. Nest. <laughs> it's, be, oh, no. it's because they didn't drop out of the event. And should they have? It does. It definitely doesn't feel like my place to say. As Wait, a, as which a white part? Person. Why were they supposed to drop? I'm still confused on why they were supposed to drop. There was there was a. Wow, I <laughs> like covering this because it's important to. I think there's a lot of moving parts. Me, uh, as you know, studio owner and trying to be somewhat involved in the community or whatever. Anyway. <laughs> I like. Th- thank you for also sharing your. Your your views on this issue about a reparations model, like that viewpoint is very valid as well and relevant. And the ultimate problem is it went a step further than rejection of a reparations model. By Charlotte Lefevre and Philip Leipzig, and I'm mispronouncing their names on purpose because they (laughs) filed a complaint with the Seattle Human Rights Committee which triggered a national media response which painted targets on the backs of already hyper-marginalized group organizers and leaders. When it comes to 
the approach of something like very socially driven and about space, we got to be mindful that it's keeping those spaces intact and safe. Um, I don't think it's my job to delineate which marginalized group is more marginalized here because it's not appropriate. I want to hold individuals who uh, are in positions of power accountable. I want to find a way to have a more dynamic and productive relationships with businesses that recognize what they patronize from trans culture and black culture for their marketing, for their lingo, for everything. It's like the theater community, you know, it's just kind of this shoved under the rug approach. You bet that is fueling the movements right now. And the ultimate win would have been organizers that understood that it is okay to give a transgression up for a hyper-marginalized group of people. It is okay to say yes. Because if we can say yes for that, we can say yes for ourselves too. Absolutely. And it's not so much about taking from people who don't have. It's about responsibility in the social contract where we recognize the value of what holding a safe space for these groups of people can bring for us. We can flourish like New Orleans up here, but we need to provide safe spaces for these beautifully um, resilient groups that quite frankly, through the pandemic and George Floyd, have no responsibility to fight the wrongdoings of my ancestors or Caucasian ancestors that I'm mindful of and holding space in opposition to. (laughs) I feel like equality should be such an easy thing to agree on. I feel like some people say they want equality when they don't. Not even, you can say white people, you can say even LGBTQ plus community, you can say minorities. I feel like it's, I don't understand if everyone wants equality, why there's so much like chaos. (laughs) This is a, um, like why how people talk about how, or like on my podcast where I'll talk about like why isn't the tech companies working with the artists? Why aren't the artists working with the bands or whatever? Like I want to see how many emails they have sent. Right, but yeah, how much how much work has been put in? Yeah, please show me. Yeah, mm-hmm. with something like that, with uh, do you follow up every forty-eight hours? I know a guy who follows up every forty-eight hours, and I would respond on a proxy of just being yeah. tired of seeing his stupid name in my inbox. <laughs> and I love that he shared that information with me because I bug the hell out of people now. Are you saying people don't respond, or what are you saying? Not only do I send an email, I have uh, alarms that tell me to send an email after seventy-two hours, and then seventy-two hours after that, and then seventy-two hours after that. And until I get a yes or a no firm, I will continue sending you emails because I have to. That's sales. Right. But my yeah. point is some of these people that are clamoring for that, I want to see how many emails they've sent out. I want to see how many cold pitches they've done to tech companies 
Have they gotten with Big Fish's music tech supervisors? Have they found the bars that these guys go drink at? Because I don't know if uh, we're but do you taking think- the Kevin Costner approach of if you build it, they will come. But that's a movie. That's actually not in real life. But do you think all these different minorities or groups are doing the same thing of mm. coming together? What or do you, do you mean? think? Or do you think? Do you think LGBTQ plus? <laughs> I can't, it's such a mouthful. Do you think they want to be their own community? Do you think black people want to be their own community, or do you think people want to be all equal and be think, one huge community? Because I don't think people well, want to be one big community. I think it's a balance, right? We want to respect and hold traditions. You can still have culture. Yeah, and that's culture, right? And uh, I think when it comes to the concept of equality, capitalism specifically predicates its success on the oppression of a group of people, on the failure of somebody else. There's an interesting Orwellian concept about freedom, and it's a farce because it implies that somebody has to be not free in order for it to exist. But wait, that doesn't sound like survival. There's no animal that holds another animal in captivity. There's no animal that tells another animal I'm superior over you. A lot of these roles and stuff are unspoken agreements that we have. Paulo Freire prescribes that once we start realizing that we are actually engaging in a social contract every time that we keep peace. Once we even observe that simple mechanic of society, things can start moving in the right direction, but we're not even aware of it yet. Most of us aren't. And why is that though? Because we're just doing the normal everyday thing that we're told to do. We're not actually doing what we want to do. Anyway, this diverged. I think ultimately, Uh, I just have so many questions as you, a young person. You, you, oh, man. You, you opened up a, a very, a very large thing. Um, but like, I don't know, man. I think, uh, I think people forming their own opinions, doing research and having conversation. Having the about, conversations in a safe place. Like, yeah. and you know, like, um, in the case of this specific incident, Man, it made me incredibly frustrated to watch people rip each other apart while the true people who are doing something wrong will probably organize this event next year. And what are we going to do if that happens, huh? That's what I really want to know. Because isn't that something? (laughs) See, now we're asking the right questions. (laughs) Yeah. I like you, man. You're cool. Thank you. I like I like being asked tough questions, and um, even if I get it wrong, I'm lucky. I'm around people who won't cancel me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I won't yeah. cancel my friends. I won't do it. I won't do it. Yeah, Blake. You uh, I remember the first time I saw you, I saw you interview some people, and some of the first questions you asked. And I remember, uh, yeah, I walked out of the room. And I went to uh, a few of the other people there, and I said, "Wow, he's asking like the crazy questions. Yeah. Like he's he's making it rough." And but this is, 
Hey, just give me you like. Should have known coming into this. You, you do your research and you really care. You're not gonna ask us some fluff. You. you What's your favorite color? Yeah, thank God. Should be purple. <laughs> if you, then I am gonna do that James shit where I'm like, James is allowed to speak for me, but I'm not yeah. gonna say this. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's 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 important. This is actually, you know, the things that will lead to us being taken more seriously. Uh, in the country or whatever. I already think we kind of are to savvy people. You know, uh, do you know about Douglas Martin? Shout out Douglas Martin. I'm really trying to meet this guy. <laughs> he works for KXP. I love meeting people. He does a, he does a show or a article called Throwaway Style. Okay. And he also writes for another um, group of writers called Passion and Weiss. You should go check this website out. You would be amazed. There's little blogs that all the curators go to. And one of the reasons why I love it here in this city is because I walk up to people after doing research and I say, this person doesn't know who you are that's standing right next to you, but I know who you are and I know what I want to do. That's what I felt about all the fucking martial law band interviews they've done. I hated them. And then I spent like... I spent like how long was I at their? I don't even know how long I was at their house for. I was at their house for a while. It was a it was a long while. You interviewed everybody who was a part of. It was anything. like a it was like a four hour thing, and I didn't release it until like five months after everything, and still no one had asked any of my questions. Really, really? Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, you, you absolutely <laughs> asked. Uh, yeah, you yeah, more in depth than anybody. You know. I, I always hated that with regular interview shows, which is why on my interview show, I'd bring on rappers and I'd say, cool, cool, you got a new album coming, whatever. Uh, do you have any ghost stories or UFO yeah. encounters okay, that you there can we tell go. me about? Ooh, That's, that mean, was I always my thing. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to hear something different. Um, Tyler, the creator, used to talk about that. Like, why don't mm-hmm. people ask him what his favorite cereal is? Why do they ask him about the single that's being publicized everywhere? Like, okay, that's that's Tyler, the creator, being injured. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that, well, please make sure that I get at least 30 seconds to pitch my upcoming records and the ones that I've released, because that's of also course. what this is about a little bit. 100%. It's kind of disappointing to see a whole hour go by and we're talking, like, it's a little bit of both. This is like podcast interview culture a little bit where we can just talk about life. Yeah. But also the business person to me will see an artist talk for an hour on tea and talk about their records for not even a minute. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hey guys, I keep getting told by people that see me play shows that they don't know I even have a Spotify. So I've done everything in my power to make my Instagram and my Twitter and my Facebook, not places where you know my opinion, but places where you can realize that I do in fact have a Spotify. Ooh. And there are in fact not vowels in my name, it's called the DGTL. <laughs> and, and make sure you look that up on Spotify and go listen to Passion and Been There, Soul on Wax, and am I forgetting any? I mean, there's, there's, a, there's minutes quite featuring Nobi. Is there a period Nobi? at the end of digital? No. No? I could have sworn there was. Sometimes. No, there is not. Thank God. Because uh, it would <laughs> make the algorithm even weirder. And honestly, I've been encouraged by people to drop the off of it so i'm just mm. digital so i'm kind of kind of in transition mode thinking about it i have a that music cool. question for you okay give me it 
So with interviews, it's obviously like a give and take. Like I'm letting someone talk and then sometimes they're a bigger person. So that helps me out, vice versa. Sure. When it comes to producing. So the, the, the whole thing with, yeah, I'm like building up me as being an interviewer. But of course, if I'm going to interview Drake, that's going to help my of podcast. Course. Yeah. For as a producer, are you, do you work with certain artists that you feel is going to help push your career further or you just work with people that you genuinely just like? I have the worst luck with thinking that way about music. <laughs> just the worst. <laughs> mm -hmm. Story after story. It never works. It's kind of like, sometimes I think I'm like one of those uh, protagonists that never truly wins, <laughs> like never gets rich, but is always chasing the get rich scheme. Gets to keep the family around, but doesn't ever get to live rich and fancy like their brother-in-law or whatever <laughs> their brother-in-law i'm thinking like 90s sitcom that's right <laughs> perfect we did it um so i've had records with saul i'm never putting him out no 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 in the moment uh i made the mistake of being like oh this is it i did it yeah i did not do it yeah one of the things that's difficult about my style in particular is I do have a litany of beats, but if I start to feel the mood a little bit differently, I'm gonna wanna make it on the spot. I don't know why I'm like this. And I I didn't realize this was a unique thing until Shayhan introduced me uh, by being like, Jake is very unique because he's the only person who will make a beat on the spot for you. Wow. And I was like, wait, not you regular. don't do that? <laughs> I literally, like, it was, like, before I even started the conversation, I was like, wait, have you been, like, some, what? Like, I instantly was like, how can this not be a thing? Like, I thought everybody did it this way. Wait. But now it's kind of evolved and matured, thank God. Because uh, when it first was getting cut, if I was really nervous or, you know, uh, not present, then the results wouldn't turn out. But I have made records I just don't think I would be able to make if I premeditated them mm. by making them in the moment like that. I've tapped into things that surprise me on a regular basis. I'm like, whoa, how did I sing that? Yo, I'm, I'm ballsy. I don't know how I sang that. <laughs> but it's in the moment. Same with my artist. Um, one of my main artists, his name is Zane. Yeah. And she is a very wonderfully talented singer. Just and she grew up singing opera. Oh. Went to Ben Royal Hall um, all the time. Yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you all this follow up music. You have homework now. No, I'm yes. kidding. Uh, I'd love to have homework. She makes up songs on the spot largely. I found that out the first time because I started playing a beat for her, and she just sang a song in front of me. And then I was like, "Cool. Did you remember any of that?" She's like, no. Hmm. And I was like, press record always. <laughs> yep. That started the rule. Do not play a beat around Zanea unless you're recording on the iPhone at least. <laughs> Man. Mm. But, you know, it's like that. Freestyling is like that. Yeah. I come from the bebop side. So, like, that's jazz. That's jazz, baby. Yeah, bro. I, I had to do that with Chris King for uh, the feature that I had on on that on that project. We had um, that, that you helped me with. Uh, 
because for whatever reason i just could not get him to sit down and like write down a hook for it and like come up with a pirate shanty and he just i had the beat on coming back from a show at spanish ballroom in tacoma it's like two in the morning or whatever and uh he had me put the beat on and he just started singing it i just put my phone on camera mode and just like i still have the video in my phone (laughs) that's just him singing it in the background when we got into the studio he just put it to his ear listened to it hopped in the booth and did it yeah it was like some people like Okay. He has a great mustache too, by the way. Uh, one of the best. <laughs> He's actually just a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> the mustache grew mustache. him. <laughs> wow. Wow. Mind blown, guys. Oh, man. So what do you guys have to promote? I'll start with oh, Gertie. Gertie go. And then we'll go. Um to the digital. Well, uh, can can I can I can I talk about our videos? Yeah. Okay. So we got uh we got we'll one. talk about Toby Maguire. I was gonna start with passion, but you don't want me to start with passion. Nah, I'm like most yet. of the way through a video with him and Zane that's called Passion. The song's already out. We got some stuff to work out for the video, but it's it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Um, but we're actually right after this, which uh, which is funny. We're <laughs> it's 7:20 already. Oh no! Uh, this is exactly no. How it's it goes. it's whatever. We'll we'll be a little bit late. Um, we're we're going to meet up with the guy who's going to be the lead in a in a song Jake has called Toby Maguire, which is you know about Spider Man. It's um, about because a lost era of superheroes. Yeah, yeah, and so we got a, an actor who's one of my favorite people in the world who's going to play Spider Man, and uh, we're going to go storyboard that today, and we're going to yeah. make a a little little Spider Man video. But we we got that on the way. Yeah. Oh, I got videos with just about everybody at this point coming out um jake yeah. and i got some music that should be coming soon i need your verse on that cloud rap song we did oh that's right <laughs> i'm calling you out on on the air for that kid cuddy things on yeah you were doing some kid cuddy right. homes on it i'm gonna um, have to do no no so um a, mil- a million things on that as well as like we said that that lost video with noby we're yeah. finishing very soon and uh I also have another another video with Novi that we've been working on for about eight months that uh, we just need to get out and reshoot some stuff yeah. and wrap up on. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. 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 And I'm, you know, uh, I just released Passion with Zene. Uh, and my next record that I'm going to release is a song called Everybody. It's coming out um, at the end of the month, the last Friday of July. And it will be the last single before my full album what words won't describe drops which will be august 27th oh shit that's coming up it's coming up you gave him a date I, you gave him a i got 100 date. croissants on the comment man i just put up this post and <laughs> i said drop a croissant the chef's ordering croissants right now you need to give me croissants and people just gave me all these croissants in my post so i said if it hits 100 i'm gonna give an album date so here we go so you just got the first thing you that. just got you just uh, got that not that it's like highly anticipated by anybody except for like maybe my grandma. me i'm a, I'm a fanboy me too i, I love this you yeah. know what it's really cool I, I i've never i i started out as a rapper basically once i decided i was not going the berkeley jazz route the easy route i mean <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding guys uh, it's not easy uh so I never had a chance to really perform live. It's just been such a blessing for me to actually feel that person-to-person connection kind of like that, and I've never had that before. So 
Can it uh, be a 20, 18 plus show? <laughs> or give me special. So here's media the passes. deal. My whole mantra is like, uh, I kind of like doing not traditional venues. Oh, so yeah, absolutely. My, my, We're organizing that. My so. favorite one that I think would work, something like this would work really well for you. You guys remember how they did the listening party for Kids See Ghosts, Kanye and Cuddy? Was that in like Wyoming or something? No, 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 it was it was in Cali, but it was at a ghost town, and they just had a huge bonfire at a ghost town in uh, California, and just played the album that. and danced around the fire. Yeah, I we're was considering like, a giant bonfire I sometime this summer, just so, way out yeah. in the woods, oh, shit. and just bring like people carnation out. or somewhere, just around. yes, yeah, yeah, just deep. You already know. There we go. Yeah, see. It, yeah. You know what's great about these kind of ideas is everybody already has that idea. Like, like you what? start talking about it and they start finishing the sentence. You're like, wouldn't what? it be cool if we did a bonfire? Why and do then we even have like, shows? Incarnation. And then we're like, whoa. And then James would be like, let's get some kegs with moonflower. And then all of a sudden we're like, there. You know why, I mean? Like, why do we even have shows in warehouses? Like, why don't we just go cooler places? <laughs> Facts. Well, I'm lucky enough I've paired up with another talent in the area who I think the city will definitely know soon. His name is Orion Brody. He is a, a filmographer and he also does uh, live light exhibits and stuff like that for supplementing people's performances. So oh, creating these bespoke experiences is absolutely my goal for the next two years in the city. Hell yeah. Yeah. While we're preparing for other big news that probably needs to wait a few years to world domination. Oh, it's happening, my friend. There's no option. We're we're all the way in, baby. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway. What's um, the easiest way to reach you guys? Start with Gertie. Uh Instagram soaring hawk above, Gertie got it at gmail.com, James at I'm still unemployed.com. So you had to shout out the, the little clothing line. Love Me, that. Sam Shoemaker, Jordan Callahan, and Macintosh. Oh, that guy's the, about to get on the show. Who is? The still unemployed. Who are they? Oh. Me. That's you. I, I'm one of the five owners yeah. of that. Who was I reaching? Who was I talking to? Probably Jordan. Jordan. Oh, that's who, my who we're going guy. link with right now yeah. for the Toby we're going to video. That's right hilarious. Now. I was yeah, just DM, I DM'd them because I wanted a shirt. Right, <laughs> right. You did because you said, "How do I join the cult?" And Jordan DM back. He said, "Blood oath." <laughs> I died. Love he he screenshotted that and sent it to me. Yeah. Love the full no, cell. So I did all of the content run for that that you were seeing. So like everybody in the shirts and all of that oh, from the from the, the the Perry to Gifted Gab to yeah. Stevie Stone to like That's yeah that was we we went around for four months and did that. You guys oh, need to come, you yeah. need to come back on the show with them then. We'll oh I, no no, no I, I will. That's that's what's happening. But yeah, there's there's five of us. Oh, we'll yeah. Make it happen. I do have one more thing to add. Yes, if you don't mind. Uh, you asked earlier how I'm able to work with such a wide range of people with different kind of things going on maybe between them or maybe not. Mostly maybe not, by the way. <laughs> but it's also because of a dedicated approach I decided to take. And I'm always encouraging people to just meditate on it. A lot of the argumentative and ego-driven conflicts that we have with people are actually mechanisms created by a large structure of oppressors to keep us people at the bottom by burning bridges with each other and finding ways to not work with each other we are only benefiting one group of people it is going to have to come down to a group of people a generation 
to recognize those tools of the oppressor and to walk over them. That is also why. It is not by accident. I do need to clarify that. It is on purpose. And it's this way to set the example and the tone for what kind of future I'm trying to see in the greater Pacific Northwest. <laughs> anyway. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's so, just So it, with bro. that, where can yeah. we find the digital? <laughs> you can find the digital at dgt-l.com or on Instagram at DGTL Beats or Twitter at the same address. And that's about it right now. TikTok as well. DG or the digital on TikTok. Hell yeah. This is the NAS podcast with Gertie. And the digital. And we did it. <laughs>